0: This is a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Trenton, Michigan, a gospel-centered community seeking to glorify God by making, maturing, and multiplying disciples. For more information, check out fpchurch.tv. Luke chapter 19. And our text begins in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 10. Luke writes this. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. Sorry, I'm in John. That's different. That's a different text. Luke chapter 19, not John. Luke writes this, not John. He entered Jericho and was passing through, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich, and he was seeking to see who Jesus was. He has gone to be in the house, He he has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost.
1: Good morning. morning. It's a joy to be with you if you have your copy of God's Word and have it open there to Luke 19. um, We'll find that beneficial as we'll be reflecting on the different verses of this 19th chapter but before we begin let's take a moment and pray together shall we our heavenly father we come before you and lord we are just so thankful for the grace the mercy the love that you bestow we're thankful for jesus christ who came and took on human flesh and lord we know we have a high priest who can truly sympathize with all of our weaknesses he understands when we're hungry he understands When we struggle to get a project done, He understands the afflictions of this life, the temptations we face, the trials, the discouragements. And yet, Lord, we know that He went through all of that and never sinned. And so, Lord, we're thankful that not only has He provided a good example, but He has provided the way of salvation in and of Himself. As He went to the cross where our sins were laid, he had given us His righteousness and He had taken our sins. What a beautiful truth. And God, this morning as we celebrate this work of Jesus, I pray that our hearts would be warmed. We pray that we would be reminded of the grace we ourselves have received and Lord, that we would hunger and thirst to see others know this grace. And God, we pray that we, as we come that You would warm our hearts so that we could be faithful. Help us as a church to be a witness to the community in which you placed us. Help us to be mindful, to pray for all those who are far off and need to know the love of Christ. God, thank you for the way in which you've dealt with us, and thank you for the good news of the gospel. Lord, we pray each and every week that when we leave this place, we wouldn't leave the same as when we entered, but that we would be changed. We pray that you would do that this morning through the preaching of your word. And so therefore, Lord, I ask that you would guard my mouth, that I would not say anything more nor less than you've given me to say, but God, that I would be faithful to your word this morning. We pray, believing that you will do even better than we know how to ask or pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. As a child, uh, many of you are aware that I kind of grew up in the church. I grew up in going to Sunday school and children's church and all the things that typically a child would experience in the life of a church. I remember specifically a certain song that was sung in our Sunday school class. And I used to giggle and laugh when it was sung. It was, Zacchaeus was a wee little man a wee little man was he. And the reason I would laugh is because my grandfather was Scottish. And so when I would hear him say wee, I, I knew that there was this that Scottish accent that was kind of missing that the kids didn't fully grasp. And, and so as I sang that tune, I, I found ple- pleasure in it. The truth is, I found pleasure in the wrong thing. See, as I sang that tune, I found pleasure in the silliness of the man's stature. But I missed the magnitude of God's grace. Did you hear me this morning? Oftentimes, we miss the magnitude of God's grace. See, as a child, I missed it. And most of us who grew up singing that song probably did. We thought the emphasis was on the fact that Zacchaeus was a wee little man. When the reality was, what amazing grace God bestows. Hopefully, we see that this morning. See, we we come to this text and we see that Jesus has now entered Jericho. Last week, he was on the road to Jericho. Last week, he encountered a blind man. This week, he encounters Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is described in Scripture as the chief tax collector. Tax collectors were those who cheated the people out of their money. Uh, uh, tax collectors were known for thievery they were known to be to be full of themselves and here we're told that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector may I say it this way he was the lead cheat and that was how he lived his life his relationships that he valued were not his Hebrew roots no the relationships he valued were those associated with money And so therefore, he found loyalty to the Roman occupiers that the Jews so hated. And so as you can imagine, Zacchaeus himself was hated by his own people. And yet here, we learn in this text that Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. Zacchaeus, the wee little man, wants to see Jesus See, Zacchaeus understood something, something that others have themselves learned. There is no amount of money, there is no amount of influence that can help us when we truly recognize our own spiritual state. That's why Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus recognized that help had to come outside of himself. He heard the rumors, he heard of the kindness Jesus showed to sinners. And so therefore, he was hopeful that that same kindness would be given to him. And that's exactly what he received. See, in our text, we see grace displayed. We're given a picture of grace given by Jesus. But it begins with Zacchaeus wanting to see Jesus for himself. It's interesting that we're told the short man climbs a tree. And we're told, even in fact, what kind of tree it was. It was a sycamore tree. Detail is given by Dr. Luke to the details of the event that took place. This man, small in stature, we're told climbed a tree just to catch a glimpse of Jesus. Don't miss this. This man knew his need. This man was desperately seeking Jesus This man was willing to climb the tree just to catch a glimpse. In verse 4, we're actually told, as he walks along with the crowd, trying to pop in to see just a glimpse of Jesus, he realizes his only advantage will be to stand above the crowd. So we're told in verse 4 that he runs ahead. And as he runs ahead, he finds a tree and he climbs it. Friends, just for a moment bake into the truth of Zacchaeus, he was willing to cast aside all dignity in his pursuit of Jesus. He was willing to cast aside all dignity in his pursuit of Jesus. How many of us know that willingness to cast aside our own dignity in the pursuit of Jesus? We must all do that. Each and every one of us must truly come humbly to Jesus each and every one of us must be willing to admit our own need see the short man he was really truly short on holiness and he knew it and therefore he was willing to put his dignity aside and climb a tree just to catch a glimpse the truth of the matter is this is exactly what curious people should do people who are curious about Jesus They should be willing to cast aside all dignity in the pursuit of knowing Jesus. This means a willingness to open the Bible, a Bible they may not believe to be true, but they should be willing to open it and read it, especially the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as these tell the very story of the life of who Jesus is. They give us the details so we can understand why Jesus came, These people who are curious, who push aside dignity, should be willing to come to church and to sit under the word preached. Those who are truly curious regarding Jesus should be willing to talk to other Christians about it. See, it's those types of pursuits that we admit our need, we're willing to push aside our dignity and show the fact that we need to learn about Jesus. The truth of the matter is this is The fact for each and every one of us. We must come like Zacchaeus, hungry for Jesus. What's absolutely astounding is that Zacchaeus never says a word to Jesus. He's not calling like the blind beggar. He's not screaming after Jesus to save him, to help him. He just wants to catch a glimpse. He just wants to see Jesus more clearly. But Jesus does stop. And Jesus offers himself to Zacchaeus, and he does this by name. In verse 5, it's pretty astounding as you look at your text. Look at what it says there. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, By name, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. What a beautiful picture of God's grace. Don't miss this. Jesus sees and knows us. Jesus sees and knows each and every one of us. And Jesus offers himself to Zacchaeus. What a beautiful picture of God's grace. In verse 5, Jesus says to Zacchaeus by name, hurry, come down, for I must stay at your house today. This was unheard of. What rabbi would ever offer himself to sit in a sinner's home. And yet here Jesus is doing this. Jesus is calling him and telling him, I want to be with you. But I want you to note that Jesus says, hurry. Hurry. The call is to hurry and respond. The truth of the matter is, Scripture says, tomorrow may be too late. Hurry and respond. I want you to see this action of grace and how it's received. One of the first glimpses that it brings joy. Initially, Zacchaeus may have felt uncomfortable when Jesus actually called him by name. For which of us, if God spoke from heaven and said your name, wouldn't be a little terrified? (laughs) But how much more so when you know that the whole community that surrounds you thinks you're the biggest sinner amongst them you can imagine the racing of the heart the nervousness maybe he was even beginning to slip and fall out of the tree although the text doesn't say that i'm sure he was caught off guard when jesus approached looked up and called him by name but the grace of god is too good to let uncomfortability to get in the way amen the grace of God is too good to let uncomfortability to get in the way. And watch how he responds in verse 6. He hurried and came down. He did respond speedily. He hurried and came down and he received Jesus joyfully we're told. The reaction was a hurried joy he was joyful to receive Jesus in his home and the truth of the matter is this is the way each and every one of us should be you know one of the funny things about being a pastor is when you do a home visit people want lots of notice they want lots of notice so they can clean or rearrange things or put things away (laughs) to invite Jesus Christ to your home though how nervous would that make all of us And yet this is exactly the response of Zacchaeus. He's filled with joy at the idea that Jesus will be entering his home. Church, I ask you this morning, does joy mark the response that you have to the gift of grace that Jesus has offered you? Does joy truly mark your response to Jesus? Are you marked more by fear or nervousness, or uncomfortability about the things of Jesus? Or are you truly marked by joy in understanding who Jesus is and what he does? See, while Zacchaeus was celebrating, the Pharisees were grumbling. I want you to see that response because we see a different reaction from the Pharisees. Look at verse 7. They actually say, he's gone to be with the guest of a man who's a sinner. And they're angry, they're, they're, they're upset. How could this rabbi do this? Now, mind you, the Pharisees didn't take Jesus to be God. In fact, they wanted him to be killed for saying such a thing. But they knew that he was a good teacher, and therefore, how could a good teacher welcome a sinner? See, the Pharisees see the grace of Jesus given to Zacchaeus as mockery they're disgusted by it the truth of the matter is many people are disgusted when they see the grace of Jesus given to sinners and yet they shouldn't be see Zacchaeus wasn't worthy of the grace but the truth is none of us are None of us are worthy of the grace we're given. That's why it's grace. It's unmerited favor. It's being given what we have not earned. The problem was the Pharisees thought too highly of themselves. Uh, The problem was the Pharisees had no real love for their neighbor as God commands. And the truth is, if we're not careful, we can slowly begin to think too highly of ourselves, can't we? As Jim mentioned, we can easily begin to compare ourselves to other people. And we begin to nudge ourselves up just a few pegs to say, at least I'm not as bad as fill in the blank. Which really shows a heart of lack of love. A lack of truly loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. The prophet Ezekiel talks about such lack of love. He talks about it in regards to those who are religious leaders. In Ezekiel chapter 34, he gives a prophecy through the Word of God, but I want you to listen to verses 9 and 10 as he talks about the bad shepherds of Israel, the bad leaders of Israel, the pharisaical kind of leaders of Israel. Ezekiel 34 verse 9, he says, Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against the shepherds, I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths that they may not be food for them. See, that's exactly what the Pharisees were doing. They were using the people of Israel for their own purposes, their own glory, their own name, their own feasting, their own benefit. And ultimately, the prophet of Israel there in Ezekiel is actually saying, God's not going to put up with it. And friends, Jesus isn't going to put up with it. Everyone who rejects the grace of God will experience the wrath of God, even those in the church, even those who attend Sunday school, even those who give tithes and offerings. Because ultimately, if we don't understand our personal need of the grace of God, we're not saved. That's the struggle and the reality that each of us must deal with. And yet we see in Zacchaeus a much different approach. See, Zacchaeus, he was full of gratitude for the grace he received. Look at verse 8. This is the response in the words of Zacchaeus. He says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, anything, I'll restore it fourfold. The gratitude of Zacchaeus is so full, it's it's bubbling up inside. His faith and his repentance is testified. You know, my professor, Dr. Kelly, there at RTS in Charlotte, North Carolina, used to say, Faith and repentance... Repentance and faith. Those are twin sisters always born at the same time. They're born when God changes one's heart. And they'll always testify of one who's been born again. Faith and repentance. Repentance and faith. Friends, that's exactly what we see in the life of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus truly believed who Jesus was. He welcomed Jesus in, and his heart was truly repentant. No longer did he love money, he loved Jesus. Zacchaeus' faith is seen in his responding to Jesus, it's seen in his repentance. Last week we looked at the definition of faith. This week I want to take a moment and look at the definition of repentance. Our own catechism says this regarding repentance. It says, repentance unto life is a saving grace. Notice, repentance has been gifted to us, whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin, one who truly owns and accepts his wickedness, it's an apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, recognizing that Jesus and Jesus alone saves It's one who has true grief and hatred, it goes on to say, for his sin. One who's turned from his sin and turned to God. After all, the word repentance literally means turning. It means a changing. The idea is a 180 degree change. I'm walking one way, but now that I've been transformed by the gospel, I'm walking the other. Friends, is that not what we see in the life of Zacchaeus? The one who used to swindle others out of their money is now gifting his money to others. Now, why did he do this? It wasn't just that he decided to do something good. We're actually told that he's actually obeying the word of God. Back in Exodus chapter 22, verse 1, we're told that if anyone has defrauded another, he's to give him double what he's refrauded him. Notice how many times Zacchaeus wants to give it. Fourfold. <laughs> He's so eager to do right. He so desires to serve the Lord out of gratitude. He wants to obey all that God has commanded. He's not trying to earn his way to heaven. He just truly understands the grace he's received. Friends, these verses show us the change in Zacchaeus. They describe for us a change of heart as well as a change of action. The grace that God has gifted, empowered this change. And this change is something each and every one of us needs as well. So I ask you this morning, what is your response to the grace of God in the life of others? Do you celebrate it? Do you rejoice in it? Or do you grumble and complain about it? Each and every one of us better understand that we ourselves are sinners in need of God's grace. And when we truly believe what the scripture says, and we truly repent, then we truly testify of the new heart to which we've been given. And my hope is that we would rejoice in gratitude like Zacchaeus. What's amazing to me about this whole story is Jesus' action. Jesus, through this whole action, has willingly reached out to a sinner, willingly went to his house, willingly conferred to him love and forgiveness. Which of us doesn't want to receive that kind of affection? Yet even upon following Zacchaeus' words, we hear this. Jesus says in verses 9 and 10, Today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. Church, understand this. Salvation has come to Zacchaeus' house. That's a, that's a covenant teaching. It's, it's the idea that God normally, his normal mode of operation is to work through the family. It doesn't mean that he exclusively has to do that, but that's his normal mode of operation. And now that Zacchaeus has truly been converted, slowly you would see the change of his family. But also notice this language. He is the son of Abraham. This is an interesting dialogue since he already was, wasn't he? I mean, at least physically he was. He was a Jew. He was rejecting his people and following the Romans, but he was still a Jew, and that's why the other Israelites hated him so much. But now Jesus makes it clear that he truly is a son of Abraham. So he's one in a spiritual sense. Galatians chapter 3 verse 7 says this, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. Faith. Or how about Galatians 3.29? If you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. See, the point is that now, for the first time, Zacchaeus was truly Abraham's offspring. And friends, so can we be as we come in faith and repentance to the truth of the gospel. Jesus is pointing out that Zacchaeus, one who was born Jewish by birth, still needed salvation. His physical relationship to his posterity could not save him. That's the truth for each and every one of us. Just because grandma was a person who helped found the church doesn't mean that I get my free ticket to heaven. Each and every one of us must have a personal saving relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We must all, as Jesus said to Nicodemus back in John 3, we must all be born again. Friends, I want to draw to you the very good news that Jesus states. Look at verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. See, unlike the bad shepherds of Ezekiel's day, here we're told that Jesus is the good shepherd. John 10 verse 11 says he lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus willingly sacrifices himself so that we can be saved. Jesus came to seek and to save The lost. And Jesus came to complete his work. Jesus in our text is actually heading to Jerusalem. That's why he's passing through Jericho. To go to Jerusalem for what purpose? To die. To die for sinners. To give his life as a ransom. And to offer assurance of salvation. See, according to scripture, Jesus came, Jesus died, and Jesus rose again. Therefore, those who repent and believe can have assurance of salvation, not because of themselves, but because of Jesus. So church, I ask you, where is your assurance found? It can't be found in your efforts because your efforts always fall short. But your assurance absolutely can be found in Jesus Christ, the perfect Savior who lacks Nothing. This story in chapter 19 but ends right with the end of chapter 18 in the story of a different man. See, it's interesting that Luke draws to our attention two very different individuals that Jesus met along in Jericho. Last week we talked about Bartimaeus, a blind beggar. This week we talk about Zacchaeus, a rich sinner. Two very different individuals who both needed the grace of Christ in their life. Two very different individuals who both expressed faith and repentance. Bartimaeus truly believed Christ to be the son of David, and he followed him. Zacchaeus trusted that Jesus could help him, and he sought him. And he sought to honor him by paying back all the wrong he ever did. Faith and repentance is seen in both of these men's lives. The point is simple. No matter who you are, rich, poor, physically well or physically in need, confident or curious, we all need Jesus Christ. Friends, praise God for the grace that's been given. Praise God that Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost. The bottom line is this: the grace of Christ changes everything. It changes who we are, and it changes the way we live. Uh, Jesus came to seek and save the lost, the lost who look like the chief tax collector, the lost who are blind spiritually. Jesus came to save the seek and to save the, the lost. And this is good news for each and every one of us. But the bottom line is this. We've all been called to repent and believe. Faith and repentance are the twin sisters which display our new hearts. A change that is both inward and outward. A change that has its fruit and bears its fruit in the way it walks. Friends, may we truly celebrate the grace of Christ this morning. May we never grumble against it. As the psalmist says in Psalm 34, 8, O taste and see, the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. My prayer for each of you is that you would truly refuge in Christ. That you would truly find in Christ your complete satisfaction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we close our Bibles, as we step away from this story of a rich, small tax collector. May we see ourselves in our own need to come humbly, our need to admit our sin, our, our, our need to admit our need of Jesus. And Lord, as we see you in the scriptures, as we hear you from the pulpit, as we hear other saints talk about you, may our hearts be warmed, warmed by the grace of the good news that you've provided. And Lord, I pray that we would truly celebrate the grace, not just in our life, but in the life of others. Thank you for the good news of the gospel. Thank you for your love. Thank you for changing us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said.
0: This has been a podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Trenton, Michigan. For more information, please visit us online at fpchurch.tv.